Hello, I'm Jasmine. I'm from the Deacon team. Um, I'm going to do the Bible reading now, so please join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and ask that you will help us understand the passage tonight. Amen. So the passage can be found on page 579 of your Pew Bibles, and it is Psalm 23. A Psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down on green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Guys, that's all so great. It's always encouraging to meet people who love their Bibles. And it'll probably also mean you need to put in a little bit more effort in listening. You'll hear some good old truths tonight. I'm also hoping that you'll feel and see some great things that may have slipped by you. Ultimately, my great hope is that we all go out tonight trusting our trustworthy shepherd saviour, Jesus. Not that this is something new to most of us, but something good to hear regularly at church. And all honesty, both for me and I imagine for you, this trust in Jesus is hard to hold on to, but is very much worth holding on to. Always good when the technology works. Now, if you have your outline or you take a look at the screen, you'll see that where we're going tonight. We're going to stop at four spots throughout tonight, appreciating this song, Psalm 23, from four different angles, a bit like what you do with a good painting. In a moment, we're going to look at a movie that gives us an idea of this, and the name of this painting is called I Am a Zebra, by Brian Weavers in the gallery at Ice in Windsor. So let's watch that video now. And just pay attention as what happens. Did you catch it? So see at the very start, it looks like it's a two-dimensional painting. It's just a painting of an art gallery. As you look at it from different angles, you start to wonder, oh, is the zebra the focus? Or is it another one that's the focus? And then you see at the end, oh wait, it's actually a 3D picture. And so with tonight, with Psalm 23, we're going to be standing at different spots, which you can actually do with all the Psalms, so all 150 of them. We're going to be standing at different spots because God wants us to feel and to see these four things. Anything less doesn't do justice to this excellent song. But before we start, as a good lawyer and a good auditor does, I need to make two disclaimers. Disclaimer number one, a bit about sheep and shepherds. Psalm 23 uses the language of sheep and shepherds, and I admit, up front, I'm no expert about either of those. I've always been a suburban guy, 
my experience with sheep is almost exclusively limited to dinner plates, supermarkets, and shorn from Wallace and Gromit. Likewise, shepherds are largely limited around to the December time of year when the nativity show up on TV or in the shops or when my mum pulls out the old one. But we don't need to be experts tonight. My point is, we just need to know the basics about sheeps and shepherds to appreciate this song that's written for us. Disclaimer number two, a bit about poetry. Psalm 23 uses poetic language. Again, up front, I admit I'm no expert, even though I love poetry. So take this poem, for example, it's a Star Wars parody of Psalm 23. So the subtitle is, or the superscript is, The 23rd Jedi, Luke Skywalker acknowledges his little master in the format of Psalm 23. Yoda is my shepherd, want not shall I. He maketh me fly, in, fly down into green marshes. He teacheth me beside the swampy waters. He restoreth the Jedi. He leadeth me in the ways of the force for the rebel's last great hope. Ye, though I fly through the empire in the shadow of Darth, I will fear no dark side, for Yoda is with me. His quirky syntax and crooked staff comfort me. Surely Han Solo and Chewie shall follow me in the Millennium Falcon all across the galaxy, and I will dwell in, with, I will dwell in the force with my father forever. Yoda is my shepherd, want not shall I. Now I get in this poem, there's a Star Wars theme going on, and there's rhyme going on. But please don't ask me to name any of the techniques that Cam Simmons used to make this. And so too tonight with Psalm 23, you and I don't need to be experts or even lovers of poetry. We're just working with the basics and we can happily appreciate the song we've got. So let's make a start. Let's go to our first spot. Feeling the trustworthiness of the Lord. Now when Jasmine wonderfully read out Psalm 23 for us before, I want to ask, did you feel the closeness of the Lord? Did it feel as though you could touch the green pastures or as though you could see those quiet waters? Just to be sure, how about we read out one more time? A Psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leaves me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord. Forever. Can you feel it? If yes, that's exactly the answer that the psalmist wants. He wants us to f- catch the feeling of closeness to God as our shepherd. The feeling of ideal peace, no wants, nothing lacking at all, lying down in green pastures, being led to quiet waters, being refreshed in soul or spirit. The feeling that it holds true even in dark places and the presence of enemies. All because the Lord is protecting, providing, pursuing his people with goodness and love, or better, steadfast love. These feelings are really important to this psalm. And they're really important to how we today relate to God. They're really different to the feelings that the world would have us feel about God. To the world, as I imagine you know, God is 
commanding, not caring, far away, not feeding us, and grumpy, not generous. And it's true, God makes commands, he is in heaven, and he's angry with his enemies. But with this song we see God and life differently to the world. He shepherds his people, protecting, providing, pursuing his people with goodness and steadfast love. But we can't stop at the feelings of trustworthiness because this is a song of King David rather than us. So let's move to our second spot. In our second spot, we'll see the Lord's trustworthiness in King David. Again, we need to do this because it's a song of David. The king of Israel, rather than us, is addressing the God of the Exodus as his shepherd. Now, stop for a moment and think, why would a king address God as shepherd? If you've been around churches long enough, in our songs or in prayers, we normally say God, Lord, Saviour, or a couple of variations on that. Not often a shepherd. And this is where Bible loving comes in handy for us. The more time we invest in reading the whole Bible, the whole story, the more we see this repeated theme of shepherds as leaders. We have shepherds looking after actual sheep, the fuzzy ones, with people like Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses and David. And we also have leaders called shepherds looking after people called sheep or the flock in books like Samuel, Jeremiah, and especially Ezekiel. Or, to be more precise, these leaders were meant to look after God's people, but in reality they were much more keen on looking after themselves and the number one priority, their own bellies. And what made such a serious scandal of this is that these sheep didn't actually belong to these dodgy shepherds, but they belonged to another leader, to God. The God who's led his people out of Egypt and into the promised land. Listen up to what this shepherd God says through Ezekiel. This is what the sovereign Lord says. I am against shepherds, against the shepherds, and will hold them accountable for my flock. I will remove them from tending the flock so the shepherds can no longer feed themselves. I will rescue my flock from their mouths and it will no longer be food for them. For this is what the Sovereign Lord says, I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. Do you see how this changes how we read Psalm 23? The ideal leader, the ideal shepherd, is the God of the Exodus, and not any human leader. And King David shows that this God is a remarkably personal God, not just the he who leads to green pastures and he waters, but also the you and your in this part. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Again, can we stop at this point? Can you imagine what would happen if the Bible's ended at Ezekiel? What would it look like for God to have to search for his sheep? And for Psalm 23, how would it be if God never entered history as a person, as a human being? This is why we need to move to our third spot. And here we're now ready to see the Lord's trustworthiness in King Jesus. Jesus is the ideal shepherd, the ideal leader, the ideal king. As God is the ultimate protector, provider and pursuer. As a man, he is also the ideal sheep who always trusts the shepherd obediently. 
And how do we know this? It's not just because I told you so, and it's not just because our feelings probably tell us so, and it's not just because Christians like your Sunday school teachers in the past probably told you so. We don't want to end up in the position that one Sunday school class did, and maybe you can relate to it as I I give the example of this class. So, the teacher was a little bit worried about her students. They, They kept on getting the right answers, that wasn't the problem. But she was concerned they didn't understand how to get to that answer. So she decided to set up a little test for them. The, the teacher said, OK, class, what is small, furry, and lives in eucalyptus trees? The kids were stumped. They had no idea how to answer. She said, it's not a hard question. Come on, like, what is small, furry, and lives in eucalyptus trees? And then one of the girls bravely put up her hand, and then she said, yes, yes, what's the answer? I know the answer's meant to be Jesus, but it sounds a lot like a koala. <laughs> and so too with us, we want to go beyond just giving the right answers, but understand, how is Jesus the answer? And it can only be so, so we can only get this answer by going to the Bible, because the Bible tells us so. So where, where do we turn to then? There are actually quite a few places in the New Testament we could go. It's one of those phrases that keeps on coming up again in the New Testament in little ways. What we're going to do is probably go, what we're going to do is go into the part that is probably the most clear. It's that wonderful story that Will read out for us before, where Jesus has healed a man born blind, he then tries to convert the Pharisees, and we're picking it up where Jesus is talking to the Pharisees in chapter 10, verse 11. Where Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and it scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. Isn't it incredible that five times in this short space Jesus refers to laying down his life for his sheep? Jesus clearly knew that his death on the cross for us was coming. And I love how this is so closely linked to Jesus' close relationship with the Father. After all, this is Jesus' massive claim in the whole book of John, that the only way to know God personally is to know Jesus. There is no other way. There is no other good shepherd. That's a massive claim that Jesus proved when he died on the cross and rose to life forever three days later. Isn't this the ideal shepherd, the ideal leader, the ideal king? Which leads us to our fourth and final point, or fourth and final spot. And we need this spot, because David wasn't the king of Australia, was he? Likewise, Jesus wasn't the king of Australia, he was the king of Israel, the king of the Jews. How can this God be our shepherd? How can goodness and love follow us all the days of our lives? How can we dwell in the house of God, the God of the Exodus, forever? 
Jesus. Jesus is the way to become part of God's second exodus. Do you remember what he said when he was talking about knowing the Father and laying down his life? Do you remember him saying that he must bring others too? I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. This is the primary point of Psalm 23. This is why God gave us this psalm and why it matters for us today. Jesus wants to assure us, reassure us, that trusting in Jesus is worth it. He wants, to live, wants us to live trusting in our trustworthy shepherd saviour. He wants to, us to live trusting in his death and resurrection for us. He wants those truths to make us who we are in good times and in bad times. What we're going to do is look at one example to show why trusting our shepherd saviour is worth it in good times. But I want to note, before that, it's possible that, and maybe you feel as we're going through, uh, you may feel as though you're going through bad times. I want you to note this psalm reminds us that we can trust God and that Jesus is worth trusting. Now for the example that we're going through, the one in good times, I'm bringing it up because in my experience, these ones can actually be harder. I'm going to share a simple example. It might sound trivial. I know that. I get it. Bear that in mind beforehand. But what makes trials in good times so hard is that they often come up in the simplicity and nuts and bolts of our day-to-day lives. So here's the example. A reputation for loving books. A lot. Some of my friends who are down the back tonight can affirm that there are, in fact, hundreds of books in my room. And just to illustrate, here is one collection from the room. But how I use these books shows us who I'm really trusting. Do I use these books to encourage Christians and non-Christians with the glorious news of Jesus' death and resurrection for us? Or perhaps, do I use my wealth of books to show off how smart I think I am? Or do I trust myself? Do I trust my authors? Or do I trust our shepherd, our trustworthy shepherd saviour? And for all of us brothers and sisters, the question to ask is, how do we use our abundant wealth? Do we see our cars and our homes as gifts from God and for God? Have you ever thought about how you can intentionally use these gifts to rejoice that Jesus has washed away our sin? For example, taking the cost of driving someone home from church who doesn't drive, or opening up your home to invite friends over to share a Bible story or your testimony over dinner? And can our friends see that we live for the resurrection rather than the next Star Wars movie that's coming out in December or the super sale on clothes that will be on Boxing Day or before? And I want to assure you that is really encouraging when they see that we do, both our Christian friends and our non-Christian friends. And while this is true for all of us, I especially want to encourage us. I especially want to encourage everyone who leads at Surrey Hills, people who have encouraged me so much during this week, to let your living show your trust for our trustworthy shepherd saviour. Please keep on living and teaching the massive difference that knowing Jesus and his death and that knowing Jesus and his death and resurrection make. I want to assure you and reassure you that it's really encouraging seeing this happen. So before we go out to live, 
Let's pray to our trustworthy shepherd saviour.